Okay, so in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, let's just go back to that. It says in verse 2, Paul writing, he says, To my dearly beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And we've already covered all of that. And when we get to chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my Son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we saw that from being a son, uh, in chapter 2 and verse 2, you're a steward. Uh, in verse 2, uh, the things that he's heard among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men uh, who shall be able to teach others also. And he's also a soldier in verses 3 and 4, right? We're to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and not get entangled in the things of the world. Uh, and then he's also an athlete as he strives for the masteries. Interestingly enough, uh, uh, Brother Derek was out in the foyer today just talking to me about us striving together uh, uh, in the ministry and likening it to a sporting event and how we're a team and, and the connotations of that. So that's really cool that he, was, uh, he brought that up. And because uh, that's exactly what this is talking about in Second Timothy two five, and then Second uh, Timothy two six and seven, we saw that he's a hu- the husbandman, right? The farmer, the laborers is worthy of the reward. Uh, Eleven through fourteen, we saw is a teacher, uh, and and verse fifteen is a uh, student. Uh, it says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." Uh, and ultimately, what we want to all be, because we're a good son, is a vessel of honor. Uh, and in a great house, there, verse 20 says, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood um, and uh, earth, and some of honor and some of dishonor. So we'll touch on some of that as well. And then also, ultimately, we're all just servants. Verse four, 24, I should say, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and, and uh, not and, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So the servant's demeanor is really important. So last week in that fill in the blanks, that we, that led me into the fill in the blanks. We got into um, that statement at the top that says, We know Timothy is already a faithful man, but as Paul addressed uh, Timothy in this epistle, he's moving him from, what was it? Faithful, from faithfulness to fearlessness so that he can obtain optimum fruitfulness. So it's not faithlessness. Faithfulness, he's a faithful, he's a, Timothy's his faithful son in the Lord. So he's a good, he's a good man. But he's needing to go to fear, fearlessness, right? And that's why he doesn't give him the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We have a mouse in the booth. Silence. So... Crickets in the booth, <laughs> and so we want to have um, so that we want to obtain optimum fruitfulness. So, uh, so that's where we left off last week. I won't get into all the details in between for time's sake, but we ended up in point one: identification as a faithful son, Second Timothy two one, and uh, of course we've already touched on that. And so uh, we got through point A: um, a faithful a faithful men need uh, <clears throat> examples of faith. Fullness, right? Faithful men need examples of faithfulness. So let's just take a moment and let's read the text and uh, then we'll jump back into this. Uh, we're really going to just be right there where we started off in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. So let's just take it from the top. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Uh, thou therefore under hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 
And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, uh, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, uh, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenus and uh, Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, uh, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that uh, call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. I'm going to stop there in verse, I should have stopped in verse 21. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to get in your word. We pray a blessing on uh, what we've seen here in these passages concerning uh, our identity as a son of God, Lord, and the need to be um, uh, fighting to the finish, Lord, and having the, the moving from a place of fearfulness to a place of fruitfulness. And Lord, I thank you for giving us faithfulness first in the Word of God and believing that. Pray a blessing on this time in your Word. We ask that uh, you bless that in the prayer time that we have here in just a few minutes. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, faithful men need, what do they need? They need, they need examples of faith, faithfulness, don't they? Uh, so Timothy saw that Paul's example was good and that Onesiphorus was an example of believers in word and deed and he ministered to Paul in prison. And so uh, Timothy can see from Paul's example that Paul was not ashamed of the promise of life in Christ Jesus and he was ready to give his life. And so we talked quite a bit about that last week. We ended with some examples, some th- some people that we could draw on in a more contemporary fashion. Um, uh, you know, missionaries and martyrs and different vo- the folks that, that we could look to. And, uh, and we talked about who we have in our own lives of, as ex- in samples or examples. And uh, even like today, Derek is a good example. I mean, we've had some good examples uh, here at HBF. So point B, faithful men need, this won't shock you, in samples. And uh, a lot of people in the newer translations, critical texts will say, oh, those are the same thing, in samples and examples. Uh, but it's pretty obvious what the difference is between an example and an sample. Anybody want to take a stab at it? Actually, I saw this on an English... uh, There's actually stuff written about this. It has nothing to do with the Bible, just an English grammar. So there is actually a distinction in this. Yes, sir? Yeah. Well, one is... Yeah, and one is just kind of an example is a a pattern to follow. You know, that's our common 
uh, yeah, mold that we would use. It were an end sample is something that you can touch. You can, I mean, it is a, it is a, is a, like if you go out to eat, out out to the store, you can have a sample. Let's taste this and see that the Lord is good, right? So you have a part in it, and that's really what uh, Paul was both an example. I mean, uh, uh, Timothy had not yet died for his faith. He will. He'll be. He'll have a sample of that eventually. Uh, but he's seen Paul get stoned to death, and uh, then pop back up and go back to Iconium and start preaching. You know, that's where he's from, and uh, and so Timothy has seen his example, uh, but he's also had a sample, right? He's been able to suffer with him in the ministry, and see that the the you know he is an what he's talking about is is or the the Lord that he knows will come through. So point one in our notes, uh, personal examples like Paul. Uh, are important personal examples like Paul Timothy had Paul as his example but much like a father is to his son I'm sure there were times Timothy didn't feel like he could live up to Paul's credentials right that would be big shoes to fill and uh, he wasn't a full blown Hebrew of the stock of Saul like Saul was of Tarsus right he didn't have the benefit of sitting under the feet of Gamaliel you know one of the greatest rabbis in history. Um, Timothy probably didn't have command of several languages, uh, both oral and written, as the Apostle Paul did. And uh, But that didn't matter because he had the Scripture, right? He had the Hebrew and the Greek. He, he had that much, and that's all he needed. He was not a, a noted man before his salvation, like Paul was, although it is noted that the saints took note of Timothy and his faith. Uh, he was not circumcised as a Jew on the eighth day, he was circumcised for the conscience of the Jews who were still observing the law of the Hebrews in that first century. So he had a Gentile father. Uh, he did not have a dramatic salvation experience that we're aware of where he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. You know, Few people get saved in the fashion that, that Paul did. That's an, ex- that's an exception, not the rule. Uh, he was... Um, uh, but he was circumcised for the. Con- I'm sorry, I already covered that. So he was circumcised for. Uh, I told you that uh, for the conscience of the Jews. He simply trusted Christ along uh, with his faithful mother and grandmother, and he was following the example of them, as we've already covered. So, despite being very different from Paul, Paul was his father in the Lord and his example and in sample, and so he could speak to Paul, uh, benefit from the knowledge that Paul had and his experience and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he knew Paul as a man not only as an apostle and he was experiencing life with Paul even through this letter this is actually not obviously intended for the church this was intended for Timothy and yet God has included it in the epistles of the church so this is a personal relationship that he had it was a personal example and example that he had in his life and, and Paul encouraged that also, of course, to draw on that from his grandmother and his mother. So despite being a very different from Paul, his father and the Lord, um, you know, he was benefiting and, and uh, he could benefit from Paul being his in sample. And so um, he could speak to Paul, uh, benefit from his experience, his relationship with Jesus Christ, and he knew Paul uh, in that way. So the words of Paul were pointed at Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.8 and, and through through 12. It says, Be thou therefore, uh, uh, be not, I'm sorry, I left out a very important word, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Right? And then he says, I suffer these things, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. So Paul is one in verse 12 saying, hey, I'm, I'm suffering, but I'm not ashamed. And so, he needs to get in on that. It's personal for Timothy. But it's also point two there. It, he had contemporary in samples like uh, Anesiphorus. So, 
these were people like him, right? So he had personal examples and samples, I should say, like Paul, and then he had contemporary samples like an S4. So Paul was also appointed. Uh, <clears throat> Paul was also appointed. I'm sorry. To, Paul was the one who did this. He pointed to Anesiphorus. Perhaps this was uh, not only because of his faithfulness to Paul, uh, <clears throat> Timothy in the church, but because he, he may have been very a very ordinary man, right? So he wasn't like Paul in that sense, and it was somebody that Timothy may have related to. And so... Uh, and so those are things that, that uh, oftentimes you do relate to other people like you. If you've been in the military, you identify people who have been in the military. If you were an athlete, you, you know, Derek Thomas was up here preaching today. What he identified with most of us as Missourians, with the exception of Bob Hall and a few others. And, uh, and so uh, well, he threw Julie in there, right, his wife. So, you know, he got Kansas in there. So, uh, but he was identifying with us because, well, we come from the same place. And so there's uh, something very great about God using average and ordinary people to achieve the extraordinary. God doesn't need us, right? He wants us. And He doesn't really need all of our gifts and talents, though He uses those things. I mean, He's the one that gets the glory. Um, He uses very ordinary people. I, I suspect that uh, Anessa Forrest may have not, not have had much going uh, for him as, as much going for him as Timothy, though I don't know that, and I couldn't prove it. It's just a guess. Uh, I just know how God works. He's a contemporary of Timothy. He looks like a man under Timothy's pastoral care when he was in Ephesus, and it's likely very. he was probably just a common guy that was had uncommon faith and a great servant uh, of the Lord. And it is the common ordinary that God uses in a mighty way to illustrate grace and faith. And so, uh, again, I think a lot of people uh, that we think are just common and ordinary folks will probably be on the front row of heaven, you know. And I'll be like, I knew them. I was just telling a pastor that the other day. Uh, I, was, I was talking about Del Lytle. Me and, me and Doug Howie were meeting. And uh, I had lunch with Del Lytle the other day. And we had some time to pray and what have you. And, and you never know who God's going to... Uh, God, you know, all the body is important, but, you know, there's some just people that might, you might overlook or not think a lot of, but they're the prayer warriors or the ones that are faithful. And uh, you heard how important prayer was today. And uh, you might be surprised how many, it wasn't just important, it's essential. Right? I think about that. How many things are uh, getting done because someone like Del Lytle sees prayer as essential? You know, um, and he does. I mean, he really is sincere. He's asking me for updates on everybody that we support, and he's not even in our church anymore. You know, and if I don't have the news, he's like disappointed. Like, you should know these things. Excuse me, I'm sorry. So anyway, he's serious about praying, and uh, this is just an ordinary guy. It's common and it's ordinary, but God uses those uh, because God's a good God, and uh, and so <coughs> so. Many who occupy the front row of God's uh, great cloud of witnesses will be common, ordinary men and women who simply were not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ or those that were imprisoned. And so you want, you know, you, you talk about, you heard today, uh, Derek ta- talking about when he comes home from these trips um, from Laos or Ukraine or wherever, he's humbled by the because he's serving these really incredible saints and their their sacrifice and their willingness to serve the Lord and. And their and their godliness, frankly, <clears throat> and I can tell you, Amen to that. You know, when you leave and you go, and and you thought you had problems until you got wherever you were going, and then you realize I don't have any problems. 
you know, uh, what am I talking about? What am I, what am I twisted around the axle about? You know, um, and you know, you got first world problems, and compared to some of the third world problems, or two thirds world, whatever you want to say, uh, you don't have any problems. I remember years ago when I'd go visit uh, uh, Harold Hatman, I'd come back, and I just, I still think about how many times I get in the shower and just like, I got one of those in my, in our. We got a three-quarter bath in our bedroom, so that's the stand-up shower, you know. I can just pull that knob, and hot water comes out every time. I mean, every time. I don't have to wait for it. When I'm washing my hair, I don't have to worry about like reaching up and touching a hot wire uh, on a little uh, hot water, uh, instantaneous hot water heater that doesn't hardly work anyway. And uh, and so uh, I don't have to sleep under an electric blanket because there's no heat in my house. Uh, and so you know, there's just things that I'd come home from Brazil going. One morning, no joke, I got up. It was 32 degrees out, and I had to take a shower and go to the airport. And man, it was like, you know what, anyone know what verse I was quoting to myself in the shower? Endure hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm like, this is just like soldiering right now, and it is freezing. And uh, so you hop out of bed at 98 degrees, and you go into it, literally, you know, room temperature is 32 degrees. And the water feels warm at whatever, uh, 70 degrees it might be or whatever, but it's cold on your skin. And so it was, it was, I just remember thinking, this is painful. <laughs> so, uh, But she's just saying, endure hardness. Now, there's people that live like that every day. And that's a minor thing. I'm not talking about anything major. But, uh, you know, you need samples to look to. And when you see people that go through, you know, before they get out of bed, their day's way harder than yours is going to be all week. Uh, it does humble you. And then you go to a place like India and you see the things that they're dealing with and the persecution and the difficulties. And, and it's just... It's, it can be overwhelming. And you, then you see contrasting all of that, the deep joy. Derek talked about that today. The faith, the commitment to the Word of God, the hunger. And you don't even feel worthy to tie their shoes. You're just like, really? Or they're or put on their sandals, whatever they're wearing. And uh, you're just like, really? I don't know that I should be talking. So God's given us all this Bible knowledge. They may not have all that Bible knowledge. They're, they're there to get it. They're the ones that should be stewarding the Word of God, not us. You know, you're just, It's just humbling. Am I not right, Jeff? Is it just it's just humbling, and so you want in samples, um, and you got to look around, and and you'll see them. You'll see them in our church, right? You don't have to leave Heartland. You don't have to go to India. You don't have to go to Brazil. You don't have to go to some foreign country. You don't have to go to Oaxaca. Uh, you don't have to go to Monmouth. Although it's good if you do. You don't have to go to Mo- Boston, but we will. And uh, and so, but you know what I mean. Those the, the reality is there's people right here in our church that you can look to as an an ensample. And they're men and women uh, filled with the Spirit of God, serving Christ to the fullest. And they have fruit to show for it. There's fruit in their life. The best way to not only look and see uh, fruit is, to, but to touch. And, the best. The, I'm sorry. The best way not only to look and see, but to touch and taste, is to join your chariot to a dear saint and learn of them through discipleship. Right. So discipleship uh, is is immense when it comes to this aspect of having examples in your life. That's really the relationship that Paul and Timothy have, even as Timothy's maturing. Uh, if you really want to want example, you need to get close to people in a discipleship relationship, and you'll start to really know them. Uh, and so you'll never be an example or an example if you're not a son of God. You'll never be an example or an example if you're not a son of God. That's the last fill in the blank under B. So, if you want to be a son of God, um, 
uh, you guys know how to do that. This is the saved crowd tonight, so I won't get into that. But if you're not a son of God, you can't be those things. To reflect his nature, you've got to have his nature. To reproduce his nature, you have to have his nature. And to be a son, you must call upon the son to be saved. And that's how that works. So, uh, point C, we'll keep moving here. Faithful men need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Right out of the text, right? Strong in the grace uh, that is in Christ Jesus. So, uh, this is not a suggestion. You notice that? It's a command. Uh, He's not saying, hey, Timothy, you know, I'd like you to work on this. I really like you to work on having some grace. No, not at all. He's like, uh, you need to be strong in the grace. This is We're still in chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and so, are we strong in grace? Uh, today, you know, Derek had that message, and you know how, notice how he ended it? Grace, right? Grace. And so, uh, we need to be strong in grace. Uh, mandating a man to be strong in grace is actually a strange command because grace is bestowed upon us from God. So a great acronym from grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I don't know if you've heard that before, but that's a really good way of kind of defining what grace is. That's something that you can't earn, right? Grace isn't something we earn. It's something that is bestowed upon us by God. And yet he says, be strong in this. So how do we do that? Well, let's talk about that. So how can we be strong in the grace if it's bestowed upon us by God? <coughs> you guys are asking really good questions. So um, number one, you want to rest in who you are and not what you do. And that's what this whole chapter is about. He's telling Timothy, this is who you are, Timothy. you got to be a faithful... You are a son, right? You're my son in the Lord, but you're God's son. And because of that, you are these other attributes that make you fruitful. Right, you are a teacher. So we covered him, a soldier at the introduction. Right. So if you're going to be strong in grace, you got to you got to identify with who you are, not what you do. And it, you'll be tested on that, by the way, every now and again. And especially for us men, that's that's not easy because we kind of like to be identified by what we do instead of who we are. Uh, it's kind of backwards. Who we are is wrapped up in what we do instead of us doing who we are. Does that make sense? I think the guys are shaking their head because they get what I'm saying. Um, and so for you ladies, you're probably like, I don't know. You men are kind of crazy, and you're right. So um, so that's why Paul, you know, he'll take the rest of this chapter to refresh Timothy on his identity in Christ because he needs to rest in who he is. And so uh, as a son of God, we have to be strong in our identification with our father. And I dare say, I'm much closer with the Heavenly Father than I ever was with my earthly father. Not because I didn't have a close relationship with my earthly father, by the way, um, but because I have a 24-7 access to my Heavenly Father. I didn't have that with my earthly father. I talk to him constantly and call upon his grace routinely. And he provides. He provides things my earthly father can't provide. So... Uh, and I remember when I first got saved, this is going, I'm going off note for a second, but this is interesting in a discipleship church and discipleship relationship. Always, always, you know, in your identification with Christ, that's the preeminent. And so as a father, you know, I don't know what it's like to relinquish. Well, I kind of do. I have my son being discipled by Luke and, and other, I want, I want other men in my son's life to encourage him. And, uh, but it was weird when I got saved, you know, Earl Cross, uh, was my primary male influence in the church. Um, I would say initially, at least even ahead of the pastors, although the pastors had a good impact, my discipler had the most impact, especially when I was 16, 17 years old. And he's taking me through D one, right. And walking me through some life issues. Um, you know, those relationships, those roots run super deep. 
Um, but yet I still had an earthly father, and now I have a heavenly father. So there's that season where you're, you know, trying to work all these influences out because ultimately you want to be the man, right? That's what, especially the way I was raised. You were raised to be a man, so you have to have the right identification. Because if being a man is drinking beer and working hard and you know listening to country music all the time and whatever, I mean that's what you're, you know, what's the end of that, you know? And uh, it's be a macho man or whatever. Um, and so you know you kind of gotta you kind of gotta find out who you are and then identify with that and you look for those examples and in samples but doesn't mean you disrespect your earthly father either uh, uh, there's a lot of great I learned especially over the years I my earthly father had a lot of great uh, a lot of things that that I actually have benefited me let me put it that way that have been very good and and we should honor our parents I'm teaching my own kids that not just me and Amy but their their physical adopted the or their birth parents on the adopted parent their birth parents right it doesn't even matter if you have bad parents or parents that were absent uh, your identity in Christ supersedes all that and gives you grace. So you can love people maybe they never loved you, or maybe you never knew, or maybe they didn't want to know you, you know, or whatever the case may be. God can give you grace. Uh, God bestows that grace upon you, so you can bestow that upon uh, those people that you are to honor. And so Timothy was in a situation where obviously his father was not listed here as one of the primary examples. Right, but it, that was not a deficit to Timothy because God gave him made up for it in the body of Christ, and so, um, and when you think about it, your heavenly Father is there. He is there twenty four seven. And if you talk to a guy like Shane Watts, that's one of the things that's impressed Shane Watts. You know, coming from his background and uh, and being before Christ in, in pagan religion and, and different things like that, and, and worse, is that now that he's saved, like Jesus, God is there. I mean, all the time. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to look or wait for him. I mean, he's when you call, he's there. And and it isn't always based on what. It's never based on really what we do. It's because it's who you are. You're his son. When you call, he's there. When I do wrong, you know what? I call upon His grace. When I need help to do right, I call upon His grace. When I rejoice, I rejoice in His grace. When I'm afraid, I call upon His grace. When I'm tired and weary, I call upon His grace. When I'm alive and thriving, I have to be intentional and humble. And remember, I call upon His grace. Right? We've got to remember that. That's how we're strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Um, uh, being strong in grace doesn't mean we don't work. By the way, it means we trust God to bless the work we do. There's a difference, right? Being strong in the grace isn't just saying back, "Okay, life is autopilot. God will provide." You know, no, that's not it. We go to work. We're, I mentioned it this morning. We're saved unto good works, but we we trust God's grace uh, to to uh, bless the work we do. The rest of the chapter uh, of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy is uh, admonition on how to accomplish the work of the Lord. That's what he's going to talk about. How do you accomplish this work? And so, the key to any relationship and having grace in, in a relationship is trust. Exercise yourself in knowing God's Word, which means we've got to learn of Him. Uh, exercise yourself in believing God's Word, and that means we've got to live for Him. And then we've got to exercise ourselves in God's grace by doing God's word by faith. And that's loving him. And by the way, those are three things that we do here. We learn about God, we live for God, we love God. right? And so uh, that all comes down to trust. You can't have good relationships unless you trust. And by the way, I just realized there aren't any more notes, so you guys just have to fill in. And I still got, I still got a little bit more to say. So I'm going to stop right there.
<clears throat> it really won't take us long to, to finish uh, up the, the rest of my notes, but I'm out of time. So, uh, so you guys are picking up what I'm laying down. Point C, faithful men, and that includes you ladies, need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So I hope you understand tonight. If there's one thing you take away from what I've said tonight, I think of all the things I've talked about. We talked about it in, in samples and examples, which are important. But I think tonight we need to just remember that we've got to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, the way that, that first verse ends. And that even though it's grace and it's given to us by God, there are actually things that we can do to be strong in grace or Paul wouldn't have said that and so one of the key words just to wrap this up and conclude and I'm going to repeat myself is to rest rest Um, years ago I came up with an acronym for rest anybody know what it is? Okay, I know I made a great impression with that Um, rely entirely upon scriptural truth you know, rest, and I didn't. That's not in my notes. I'm not saying that to, you know, to get you guys to remember that acronym. But the the rest part is in, is what I'm talking about. Resting, right? Your identity is in Him. Rest in that identity, um, uh, and, and know who He is. Know who you are, and allow God to accomplish His work through you. And uh, man, it just changes everything. And you'll see the grace of God on your life. And upon the things, not just upon your life, but upon the things you do, the relationships you have. Uh, does that mean everything's going to go perfect? No. Not at all. As a matter of fact, it could get worse. Uh, because, um, you know what? God gives more grace, right? Um, and so if it gets worse, what do we got to do? This is like, this isn't in my notes, and I'm, I'm just, you got to rely on Him more, right? God gives grace to the humble. humble. Yeah, resist the urge to get proud, right? If you want to access grace, you want to be strong in grace. Exercise yourself and ourselves. I'm saying uh, this isn't just for you. You know, it's like you're telling somebody and you're looking at all those fingers pointing back. Uh, so you know, exercise ourselves in humility, right? That's the key. That's the key to be strong in grace. And oh, rest. Rely entirely. Upon, of course, I got a U in there. Arresting uh, entirely upon scriptural truth. So, yeah, resting entirely upon scriptural truth. That's the best thing in my memory. That I may, I may, I may have had it more restrained, streamlined than that, but that's what I, I'm remembering. Those little acronyms help me: grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, rest, relying entirely upon scriptural truth. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's it. Relying entirely upon scriptural truth. So. Um, yeah, so those are good things to do because uh, the devil's out to get you. All right, so we'll finish up point C. You'll have to just put the notes on the back. I've only have I only have you know a little bit to go here, and we'll be done. But I need to I need to pull up right there. All right, any questions, comments, any you know exceptions? Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Uh, well, not 17,300 years ago. <laughs> which uses the word like or as, and you've got metaphor, which don't use either of those words, but describes something. He was a breath of fresh air. That's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. He was like a breath of fresh air. That's a simile. Simile versus a metaphor. It's similar to the comparison between an example and an insect. 
Mm. Oh, that's good. Did you pick that up, Jeremy? He's an English major. Oh. Yeah, they can't. So he's saying that the the distinction between example and insample is like the distinction between a metaphor and a simile. Where a metaphor describes uh, uh, someone is like a breath of fresh air versus that person is a breath of fresh air, which is a simile. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah, pretty close. So, he's uh, he was Bob was pointing that out, which is good. Amen. And uh, the the uh, King's English. I had someone ask me the other day about that, about uh, why there wasn't a hyphen. There wasn't a super spiritual reason for that. I don't think. I think that has to do with the the, the way the English language has changed. But these the words themselves are important. And uh, and so, uh, amen and amen. So, every word of God is pure. So, all right. Well, let's. Uh, we got a few more people here tonight, so we may not have as much uh, weight to carry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And you kind of many. You, you did this at home, didn't you? Because our printer's not working. Or no? I, I had help. Okay. I will have to use my reading glasses, I will just say. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't bother me in the least. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I like it. Yes, I did have to do that at the house. I've been off Oh. Oh, okay. Hey Lance, could I have you uh, help me with this? I'll keep just. I'm gonna. I got these divvied up, so the small smallness of them is a little distinct. But I just walk around and hand them out. Are you you are you are joshing, aren't you? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, good job. Okay. Our printer is broke. Oh, did you? That's fine. You know what, Ron? It's not a problem, really. It, it works. But, so. but I will remember that for next time. I thought I did something to the No. You guys, everybody, who doesn't? I'm missing somebody. Okay. There we go. There's two sets. Who else am I missing? <clears throat> you got some? I got two. <coughs> yeah, I, I've got a couple of sets, but this is minor. So, all right. Well, let's. Uh, any prayer requests before we wrap it up? I would. I will say this: praise. Um, uh, you know, just God's been good to our church. So let's remember to praise Him tonight as we go to prayer. And uh, oh, just quickly run through the rules of engagement. So how we do this is obviously we're <clears throat> we're praying over this. We're not gossiping. If you have a prayer request, we definitely need to uh, feel free to share it with those you pray with. If you're not comfortable praying, you don't have to pray out loud. Just and if you want to just join folks in prayer quietly, don't even hesitate to say that. And nobody's going to pressure you to pray. Um, you can always pray in your heart. Uh, also. Um, um, there's no time limit, so when you're done, you're done. So, um, and so you can go to Dairy Queen or Culver's, my favorite. Um, oh, 
Yeah. Well, you 